Hello, Nephew community, and welcome to the Hot Topics in Nephrology podcast. I'm Jeff Lockwood with the Nephew Medical Team, and I'm here with my favorite nephrology writer and editor, Mark Newman. Mark keeps us up to date on all the latest hot topics in nephrology. Mark, we're not too far removed from the National Kidney Foundation Spring Clinical Meeting, uh, which took place this earlier this month in one of the biggest hotspots for barbecue in the country, Austin, Texas. Now, I know your schedule is jam-packed with meeting activities, but were you able to visit any of the amazing Austin barbecue establishments while you were in town? <laughs> yeah, that was the favorite food. Uh, we had some we had some uh, good cuisine to go with the nephrology session. So, yes, yes great, great place to eat. Good to take in all the salt with the barbecue and then go to a kidney meeting. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Yeah, so the NKF meeting, uh, it's one of my favorite meetings of the year. It's one of the few that offers multidisciplinary programming for all renal professionals. And I mean all professionals, providing education for every member of the kidney care team. And this year, for the first time, there is a special educational symposium for patients. Mark, can you please tell us more about that and some of the highlights? Sure. Yeah, it was the first time, uh, as you mentioned, the NKF had an educational symposium for patients. Uh, and it includes some special sessions on nutrition, advocacy, uh, mental health, and new approaches to chronic kidney disease, end-stage renal disease, and transplantation. I think the discussion on advocacy is an important one. Uh, more so than any other healthcare specialty, in my view, individuals with a chronic illness like kidney disease who are treated via federal entitlement like the Medicare and state renal disease program uh, can have an influence on capital health in how funds are directed. That can include more money for research, higher payments for options like home dialysis, for example, and support for living donor transplants. Uh, you know, where kidneys are now getting more, I'm sorry, where donors are now getting more protection and getting compensated for expenses. You know, a good example of effective patient advocacy, I would say, is the new law that took place in January that offers patients lifetime coverage for immunosuppressive drugs post-transplant. Uh, we have covered the details of that program on previous F nephew podcasts. But many patient groups advocated for this for several years and was finally approved by Congress. Yeah, I agree. Uh, patient advocacy is very important, and it's reassuring and motivating to see those efforts pay off with the passing of a law pertaining to patient care. And individuals who donate a kidney should definitely not have to pay out-of-pocket medical expenses for doing something heroic as they are. Exactly. So what were some of the other highlights from the meeting? Well, you know, the kidney community continues to focus on equity of care. Uh, it's it's uh, gathered quite a few headlines over the last year, and most of the associations are trying to address it. And the NKF program had an opening session on this topic. Lily Cervantes, um, uh, who's with the University of Colorado, was the keynote speaker, and she talked frequently about the steps that we need to take as a kidney community to make sure advanced kidney access access to dialysis and transplantation are available for everyone. And that goes back to the power that patients, and you know, I'll throw in caregivers in there as well, uh, but the power they have when advocating for their health, for their loved one's health and access to care. Right, I think everybody wants the same outcome, you know, making sure that everybody's treated equally. Patients can have a role in making sure that happens. Other sessions at the NCAP meeting cover the importance of recognizing treating depression in patients with CKD, and ESRD. You know, patients on dialysis face a host of issues that may lead to long-term depression 
and jeopardize their chance of getting a transplant. And we know that's the case, particularly for patients. Um, when they leave the dialysis clinic um, and they go home to the home environment, there's a lot of issues that they have to confront. And so it's important to identify these patients and, and be able to provide some treatment for them. Uh, the keynote speaker for the Shaw Masri Distinguished Lecturer, Susan Hadaki, who gave the Shaw Masri Distinguished Lecture, said those conditions can include anemia, dialysis inadequacy, and uremic symptoms for patients with advanced chronic kidney disease before initiating dialysis. I'm sure depression can also impact patients' motivation to adhere to dialysis regimens as well. You know, with our continued efforts in ADPKD, we know the impact depression and other mental health conditions have on patient care in that setting. Uh, so it's really hard to overstate the importance of mental health support in all of our chronic kidney disease patients. I think especially the dialysis population. Um, now posters are always an exciting source of information at NKF. Were there any special poster presentations? Yeah, there were. Um, and by the way, there were over 400 posters presented. So that's was, a lot of posters. <laughs> it was interesting to get around and try to uh, see them all. Um, there were two posters on the impact of hyporesponsiveness to anemia drugs with a focus on mortality and hospitalizations. So these are patients that do not achieve an increase in hemoglobin when treated with erythropoiesis stimulating agents or ESAs as we call them. The studies used US renal data system data to identify the outcomes for these patients and found they are a higher risk for death and for more hospitalizations compared to those patients who are responsive. Another interesting poster looked at the value using continuous ambulatory peritoneal dialysis versus automated peritoneal dialysis. So automated, of course, is more convenient for patients because it is done overnight. Use of continuous ambulatory PD has declined in recent years and has been replaced by automated PD. So author Michael Krauss said USRDS renal data system data from 2009 to 2020 has definitely shown a decline in continuous ambulatory PD uh, to about 13% of all PD patients. But other industrialized countries utilize continuous PD more commonly, Krauss uh, said as part of the poster. Automated PD is associated with more storage, costs, and technologies and it may be associated with more burden with alarms, sleep disruptions, and reduced volume control. So it's uh, more convenient, but certainly if it's done overnight, patients may appreciate that convenience versus doing daily exchanges. So Krauss said his study showed that there might be a lower risk for peritonitis as well, with C as well with CAPD. So there may be a better chance that with CAPD, even though there's more exchanges, his study showed that there may actually be a lower risk of peritonitis versus doing the exchanges overnight. So we concluded that renewed training of the value of CAPD might be advantageous and provide a better option for patients. You know, this ties nicely back to last month's podcast where we discussed incentives and opportunity for home dialysis, which is kind of where this falls under. So fingers crossed going forward, we continue to see improvements in that setting. Yeah, exactly. So what do we know about the 2024 meeting? Right, so uh, the date's already been set for this meeting. Uh, it's going to be held May 14th through 18th in Long Beach, California. And um, uh, the expectation is, as this year, is that there will be a virtual component to it as well. So uh, those who are not able to attend can also sign up and register for the meeting and catch some of the, uh, most of the, what I would consider um, the priority sessions um, that will be on demand. Uh, and usually on demand basically means that you won't have the access to the session live, but you'll be able to listen to it 
and about um, you know several hours later. So it's available to you. But um, it was a very uh, it was a very comprehensive meeting, and that's one of the advantages of being at a multidisciplinary meeting because you can you can hear from all the disciplines. You got the dietitians and the social workers, the doctors, uh, administrators, and in this particular case, also patients for the first time. So you know very well attended. And um, looking forward to next year's meeting. Yeah. And again, that's one of the great things about the NKF meeting is it brings together the entire continuum of kidney care, where it's not just physicians, not just pharmacists, but nurses, social workers, dietary. It's such a large group of diverse healthcare professionals that the education and everything is great. Yeah. Um, So hopefully I'll be able to attend next year as this was the first NKF meeting I think I've missed since 2019. but it's always one of my favorites to attend. Great energy, great programming, uh, great opportunities to spread nephrology education and really advance kidney care. So thanks for that great review, Mark. Thank you as always for joining us to talk about this year's National Kidney Foundation Spring Clinical Meeting. Again, it's always one of my favorites of the year. I'm still bummed I couldn't make it, especially to Austin where there's such great food. Uh, But it's great to get your take on the hot topics and a quick overview of the meeting. Of course, a big thank you to the NEPHEW community and for joining us and listening in. I hope you all enjoyed the conversation and can take advantage of the on-demand meeting content while it's still available. And be sure to join us next month so Mark can keep us up to date with the latest hot topics in nephrology.